Welcome back to the Enneagram Journey. This week, we are going to hear the rest of Joey, Billy, and Suzanne's conversation. I personally really like Billy's Field of Dreams metaphor and found it really interesting that twos have no organic move to thinking space and sevens no organic move to feeling. We are now three weeks away from Boot Camp 2 here in Dallas, where these three will be teaching together about the Enneagram, relationships, parenting, and relationships when in crisis. If you want to join and are not already registered, please visit lifeinthetrinityministry.com and use the promo code PARENTING for $100 off of registration. Enjoy today's podcast. know us right i can't even imagine it all right billy you know what i would say is well first of all you and joe have been you have from the moment i met you right like you you have been very gracious and loving to me just as a potential family member and then you know a son-in-law and that's I, I tell people i joke when i teach that you and i have an atypical relationship in that we love each other mm-hmm. like mother and law and son-in-law. So I, I really appreciate that. And what I would say is in addition to that, the wisdom that you bring to any interaction that I have with you or that Joey has, like we'll come back and she'll tell me about a conversation that you two have had, or we'll sit around the table at, you know, a, a family birthday or a holiday and discuss current events or real problems that are happening within our family or just, anything and everything. And I walk away always having learned something new and gained a new perspective on things. And I don't think that's necessarily specific to your Enneagram number. I think that's just you. And I really love that and appreciate um, that because I feel like you're, in addition to, you know, my mother-in-law and um, that you're a, a really good teacher of me. And so thank you for that. Okay. I want to flip this a little bit. So you two know that dad and I are trying to kind of move over. We have a, we we have a commitment to, okay, we've learned a lot. We've shared a lot. We've gotten a lot right and a lot wrong. And now, uh, at 71 and 67 and a half, we, are fully aware of how much we have to learn from all of you. There is a wisdom that comes with coming of age in a certain generation that no other generation has. And I think that's going to be applicable to the Enneagram as well. So knowing that this is an unexpected question, do you have a new generational wisdom piece to teach me in real time about the Enneagram, about nineness or about relationships, because I want more than anything for your teaching to surpass my teaching. I want you to be better at this than I was, because then we'll know that we're getting somewhere, right? I don't know that I don't know that we'll be better at this than you, but we're we're, we're going to certainly try and continue what you've started. And I don't know that there's any sort of anecdotal nugget that's generation specific as it relates to the Enneagram. Um, from my perspective, I feel like it 
it, it just sort of transcends all generations. Like it is what it is and anybody can plug right into it and pick up and go wherever you find yourself. Um, and so maybe the one thing I'll add, cause it's just top of mind right now as, as we've sort of been talking here. And that is as a nine and a parent and as a, as a husband as well, there are multiple times where I feel the, the intense urge to just back away to sometimes when it's really acute, it's, it's the image of like digging a hole and crawling in that for a little bit. But there's also this, this, it's kind of silly, but in my head, there's a, there's a scene in field of dreams Mm -hmm. where James Earl Jones gets to go out into the Mm cornfield. Right. And he kind of just fades into the corn Mm-hmm. Right. Like I see myself wanting to do that a lot mm-hmm. just because there's conflict or there's there's just stuff going on. And I just really have no interest in being involved in the stuff. Right. But when I look at when I look into the eyes of Joey and Will and Sam, they need me to be right here. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I have to stand tall, whatever it is, could be a little thing, could be a big thing. And it's everything in between. I'm not, I'm not allowed to fade into, into the, the cornfield. Corn. Mm-hmm. You have to stand right there. And sometimes it hurts really bad. It feels very uncomfortable. And I have sometimes really no idea how exactly to handle it. Right. Cause I process at the opposite speed that Joey does. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but I know deep down that the right thing to do is to stand right there, no matter how it feels mm-hmm. and just go, just do the best you can with the tools that you've been given and the anagram is at the heart of all of that. Yeah. I'm going to use this opportunity. I've got a stack of questions and a whole email box full from people. But I think this might be the best time to get one of them answered. And uh, this is a question from Harley. How can a five husband connect to the heart of an eight wife? And I know you're not a five, but it's coming from the same stance. Maybe and having an eight wife. Yeah, I think uh, you know fives and nines are in the same stance, so we're we're all about withdrawing, right? When the going gets tough, and I'll go back to something that I said earlier that sticks out to me every time I hear the Enneagram taught, or every time I teach it. And four and eight, when you're in relationship with that person, intensity equals intimacy, and that's really hard for withdrawing numbers because we are the opposite of intense. However, there's that middle ground. And so it's going to feel icky sometimes. It's going to feel uncomfortable and awkward. Um, But when you stand right there and meet the other person, you don't have to agree with them. You certainly don't want to give in to them. The tips and tricks and tools and tactics to try to get out of the argument as fast as you can, those don't work. Very often, right? The only thing you can do is stand right there, toe to toe, whatever your whatever the issue is, good or bad, and try your best to meet that intensity. Joey, can you give us the other side? I would say get out of your head because that I, I'm I've have some strong relationships with um several fives and fives and eights actually do really well because, um, they, you you know, fives don't want to be, uh, cuddly. 
Well, eights don't want that either. So getting to the heart of your eight wife, she doesn't need you to spoon her. <laughs> um, but, but I think fives so naturally, because it's the way you see, you can't help how you see is there is a logical answer to this. There's a logical way to get to the heart of my wife. And you got to start by getting away from that. Um, so I, it's a very practical, basic suggestion. Find something. It, it might be a cause that you're both pretty passionate about and, um, pursue that together. Eights will, like I said earlier, it can't be manufactured, but man, there, there's a whole lot of real, um, innocent needs just right under the surface. I would just add that I, I don't think the space between doing repressed and doing dominant is the chasm that fives think it is. Right. I, I think when you come upon an eight who's just doing, 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 and you're doing repressed, I, I don't think that's as far a journey as it looks like it might be. And you share a line. I, you know, I, I really, that would, that would probably be my nugget, relational nugget that I'm going to explore more and have as I teach more mm -hmm. is I think that, um, sharing a line, meaning on the Enneagram, you either, you share a line with that number because you go to that number in stress or security and fives and eights share a line. And, um, you know, eights go to five in stress, meaning fives go to eight in security. I think there's some real untapped wisdom in um, com in understanding the common ground that's already there I agree. naturally and intuitively. And so as your Enneagram number, knowing you're that you're a two and knowing what it looks like to go to eight in stress. One of the things that mom, you teach that I teach all the time and think is super important is once you realize you navigate that line in stress, you can choose to go to the high side of that number. So that's the responsibility, I think, in, in learning about yourself is understanding your stress line and understanding what it looks like when you go to the low side of that number and what happens when you go to the high side. I would just add that I'm, uh, I've started work on the new book. So I'm been right in that space the last few days. And one of the things that I want to articulate better, but that you might pick up on and do quickly is that I, I think it's being able to see yourself in the other number, like you talked about earlier, Billy. And I think one of the pieces we could work with is I've done that. That happens with a line on the Enneagram. I've done that. Or I've thought that. Or I've felt that before. It's like that's a connection that gets you to the rest of the connections. So, Joel, with you and Joey, because you're thinking dominant and you're doing dominant, sometimes with you, Joey, I connect by thinking, I've done that. And I connect with you sometimes, Joel, by with... I've thought that even though I don't share a line with you on the Enneagram, my new awareness of what it's like to be 
dominant in thinking, feeling, or doing. It's like it's a, a new big thing. And we've spent a lot of time talking about being repressed. Right? It's like that's where the energy has been. Billy, you're shaking your head. What's yeah, that? I, I think you have opportunities as parents. Will, who is more, has always been kind of drawn to me more, and Sam has always been drawn to Joey more. Well, they're more alike on the Enneagram, and Will and I are more alike on the Enneagram. So you have an opportunity there to do what you just said and say, I've done that. I can connect in this opportunity. You also have the opportunity to stretch yourselves as parents, where for me it would it would be me standing in front of Sam and working with him on something that I maybe haven't done. And Joey standing with Will, same thing kind of stretching your your chops as a parent I guess but mm -hmm. also building your capacity and there's something that you can offer your children from a different enneagram number dependent stance withdrawing stance all of it that they're not going to hear the same that they would from their parent who's more like them yeah yeah so exactly. it offers so many opportunities the other thing that is good to point out that some people don't notice for a long time is that Joel and I are the only numbers on the Enneagram as a 7 and a 2 that don't have some organic natural move to all three triads. And so I I I don't I don't ever find my way to thinking. I have to pack a bag and go there, right? And you don't find your way to feeling, Joel, you have to do the same thing. And I I um I'm kind of excited about us beginning to talk a little more now that we've got people willing to admit that they're repressed in one of the three. What comes with being dominant? And let's do one more question uh, from Liz. Uh, since we have three phenomenal Enneagram teachers here, what are the defining differences between a five and a nine? Fives have the most measured amount of energy. Nines just straight up have the least. Nines are doing dominant and, doing and repressed. repressed and repressed, but we, so we share the same repressed. We're both doing repressed, but fives are thinking dominant. So that's different. So here's one of the things I would say. I think nines need more affection than fives for sure. Definitely. For sure. And I think that's a big difference. I also think that there's a, there's a big difference in being, thinking dominant and being doing dominant and repressed when there's conflict and nines either deal with conflict with silence or with humor and fives deal with conflict either with silence or cynicism and um, sarcasm. Very, very seldom are nines ever cynical or sarcastic and that is labeled as dry humor in fives, but I think often it's just sarcasm. Definitely. I think, I think you're going to find a lot more cynicism just generally as a group with fives than you are with nines. Nines are optimistic and I think fives are pessimistic. I think nines are focused on what could be and fives are trapped in it's this and what are we going to do about that? 
And you can't get away, just like you said earlier, we talked so much about repress, but that dominant is important. And, and I think the dominant is important in this sense and then in this delineation with the with the triad, meaning fives are head, head triad. Mm-hmm. And nines are gut triad. And, and nines take in and interpret what's happening in the world through their gut. And that's so different from taking it in through your head. Uh, Mom, you've talked about kind of how you and dad co-parented growing up, but now we've got a, a great, another example. Could the two of you speak to the Billy, the things that you've, you've spoken to it already some, the things that you know you bring to the table that are, are great, and then also the things that you kind of look to Joey for help for, and Joey vice versa? Um, you know, as a, as a nine and a father, a strength is being able to, to really easily put myself in their shoes. How are they, how are they feeling? What are they thinking? You know, try really hard to, to jump in their mind and decide what, what's making them tick and then try to meet them halfway. Cause I think there's a lot of value in seeing things from, the perspective of the other. So what you said earlier, that was, that was like one of your gifts when you're talking about the boys coming home from school. Other parents don't do. Will comes home and he's upset about something that happened. And then you say to yourself, I don't see it that way, but I see that he feels that way. So that wasn't, that was organic for you and that other members wouldn't do. And you said try really hard to get see it, and you don't, babe. You you naturally, you cannot help but see it from their sure. point of view. Right. Because I would have to try really hard. As a seven, they'd come home, and I'd be like, what? Why are you crying about that? Yeah. You're, you're Will. Yeah, right. <laughs> you're awesome. Let's move on. Let's go do something else. Yeah, that's and, a good point. I, 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 you're right. I, it naturally happens that way, um, which is a gift, I think, of of a nine. and. And so what's ironic about that too, because it's so funny when we teach on nines, it's like they, they're, they have a little bit like every number and, and so defining the nine is really difficult. So it's almost like I see things from my kiddos perspective and then I try to catch myself. So I'm like viewing myself from above as I'm parenting my child Mm -hmm. who I'm trying to also see from their perspective too. It's really kind of this weird sort of dynamic, but what ends up happening is there's a great deal of empathy at the heart of it all. I'm no matter what decision I make right or wrong as, as a parent, it's, it's coming from that space. I will say, however, at one of the negative sides though, is what I touched on earlier. And that is sometimes I let the, Oh, it's not that big of a deal thought in my own head take over when that's not the right course of action, right? Like there's a lot of things that are a big deal that need to be handled in a confrontational way sometimes and that need to avoid and moreover need to avoid conflict, which is at the root of the avoidance. Sometimes that takes over and that can get you in some hot water because you're not making the right decision for your child, which we all want to do as parents. Um, and it throws, um, it throws a monkey in the wrench too, when you have, when you're co-parenting with someone who will stand right there and and take on whatever needs to be taken on, so as a as a team member, right, that helps 
me see what needs to be done um, and, and, and try to step up and take it on. Yeah, I think that's that's very well said. Will had something happen at school recently where he and another kid, you know, got into some very, very, very minor trouble. And they called Billy first <laughs> and didn't get him. And uh, so called me. And you know what you get as a child in trouble at school um, when you don't get your nine parent on the phone and then you reach the eight parent is you get double whatever's coming at you, mm-hmm. you know, uh, eight parents aren't, um, don't see it from your side. And so, um, go immediately to, well, how'd that feel? Well, that was a great decision, huh? You know, to the point where I, I think the assistant principal was feeling sad for Will by the time we <laughs> No need to discipline him. He's No handled. need to discipline Will. He's going to get it. Um, you know, I, I think, um, that can be toned down also, obviously. And being married to Billy and parenting with Billy helps me with that because, uh, you can, um, you can lose kids sometimes, um, in the rush and passion and intensity of reacting. Uh, and I think, um, Probably all aggressive parents, I would say, just speaking as an eight parent, um, reacting is um, something that I've tried to curb a little bit. I'd like to get to about 10,000 feet and say that based on what y'all are talking about, I think one difference is that nines have fewer expectations of other people than any other number. And eights have higher expectations of people than any other number. And part of that different response has to do with expectations of the kids and and other people. But we're talking about the kids right now. Absolutely. Without a doubt. I think that's very well said. Yeah. And I just want to say that I think the Enneagram serves you well regardless of how much time you have to devote to activities and kids and working stuff out and all of that. It's almost like a shortcut that saves the day once you know it well. Would y'all agree with that? Yeah, I all accept the part about it being a shortcut, but but everything you said I I completely agree with because I think your love for your kids is the motivating factor for you to do the best you can as yeah. a parent. I think most parents would agree with that. Having a toolkit Right. To be Mm -hmm. able to kind of fix and manipulate and tweak that love for your kids. Right. To use that sort of as an example is it's 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 a game changer. It's still very difficult. And I would love to sit here and tell you that having known the Enneagram for 20 years, I'm so much better now than I was back then. It's not a it's not a it's not a magical fix. But if you're willing to put in the work having that toolbox at your disposal in conjunction with your unconditional love for your kids, what a great combo, right, to be able to do that. Well said. That makes me want to just circle back to what I meant by shortcut is if you know the Enneagram, you can get to what's really happening with your child faster than if you don't. Absolutely. You're right. Yeah. I think whether it's parenting or, or not, I think any, anything relationally that's going on, when I look back 
way back to my teens all the way to current day, um, when there's pain uh, on the part on on either party in the relationship, uh, usually uh, it, it comes from just a lack of understanding. Mm-hmm. You you don't understand why it happened, how it happened, why that person could be like they could be, and so you. To speak to your point, you don't have to have been and you don't have to have known the Enneagram as long as Billy and I have um, to gain perspective. You, you know, it just that it, it helps with perspective, which has been so helpful for us as parents. I also think it helps us hear one another. So I was attempting to talk earlier about kind of um, slowly changing roles where we're teaching each other. And one of the most important lessons that you taught me, Joey, using Enneagram language that I don't think I could have heard with other language was uh, when you talked about, I was kind of taken over when daddy was doing something, you know, so I used to teach and if if dad was giving a talk, I kind of threw in my two cents or I was kind of adding stuff. And you just said to me, you know, I, I, I know with Billy as a nine that I really need to just sit back and not contribute to his talk or to what he's doing. And that's an Enneagram understanding that that just slid right into my way of being in the world that's been very helpful to me that didn't cause any disconnect at all because it was, you know, with Billy as a nine. And, you know, if you said, Mom, you you need to leave Dad alone and get out of what he's doing, that would have been a different thing. I, do, I agree. And, and I it's not easy by any stretch. Um, you know, nines have a lot to bring to the table. The The tragedy is that so few of us, me, me included much of the time, don't have the patience to wait for them to get there. So Billy, what does that feel like? Well, I think, I think it's twofold. Um, I think when you're in a relationship with, with someone who's an, who's not a nine, um, being able to articulate the need for that patience, maybe in that space is one, but then on, on to couple that it's, I think all nines would agree with this, that they know deep down that they do have things to offer, that it's going to be okay to assert yourself at times. And yes, you're going to have to deal with the fallout that comes from that. But you're you're capable and you're smart and you're you're you have a place in this world just like all the other numbers, and so people get impatient with the non-doing when it gets to a certain point, right? Like you, it just becomes an expectation, and this is self-fulfilling prophecy. It's like, see, it doesn't really matter when deep down you know that it does. And I would submit too, there are those moments, and all nines have them, where you, you jumped up took a chance and it worked and it felt better than anything that you've done. And so you, you have to, you got to get out there and do it. And keep in mind that nines are also the most stubborn number on the Enneagram. Amen, sister. So they won't, it has to be their idea. That patience isn't 
tell them to do it and then wait. It's they have to get there on their own because it has to be their idea. You know, one of the things, too, we're all from a different stance. So, Billy, you're doing repressed and Joey's feeling repressed and I'm thinking repressed. One of the things I'm aware of, I think maybe recently, is that it's hard to get away with being doing repressed. That's the hardest one. Everybody knows when you don't do what you were supposed to do. And it's hard to get away with being feeling repressed. And it's really hard if you're a female. If you're thinking repressed, most people don't know it. <laughs> it's like you, you kind of slide through and, and not have the same pushback from other people. Right? That's a good point. Yeah, Billy yeah. does all the time. <laughs> yeah. All the time. Dad a does lot too. of doing. Of doing. Doing until he's tired. Dad does till he's tired. And then there's a list of things that he didn't do. And I want, I don't, I don't know where to insert this. So I'm just going to put it here. I think it's important. Some, one of the things that I've said our whole time together is I don't ever feel like you're doing oppressed when it comes to being a husband and being a father. Why is that? Why am I yeah, why? doing oppressed? Why? why, why is that so easy? Cause you like, I, you're doing repressed and you know, something that seems so simple you won't do, but you could come home from work and be exhausted. And if either of the boys wants to go do anything, you're up and doing it. And, and are you always help with around everything around the house. And so what's, first is of all, that I'm glad we have that on record. <laughs> and I think all kidding aside, I, so I, I make this, um, analogy or metaphor or whatever, whenever I'm teaching about how, I, as a nine, sort of see things, and it's you can't see this, but it's this tiny, tiny box that I carry around with me, and it's it's really small, and I pack everything that I truly care about in this world in that box, and it's it'll fit in the overhead bin. I don't have to check it, right? It's tiny, and you and the boys are in that, and so it's very clear when you and the boys need something to do the best that I can to meet that need. And it's also very other referenced. It doesn't have anything to do with me. It has to do with you. And that's, that's just a clear indicator that I need to jump and go. It's an easy thing to react to action to get to, right? When there's all things that have to deal with me, it gets very muddled and confusing things at work, you know, personal items or whatever. I'd, I don't always see that as clearly, but when it comes to you and the boys, it's, it's pretty clear. It's a priority thing, huh? Is it, it's once you know what your priorities are, then you can really manage well the top four or five. That's kind of how Joe is. It's like, for sure. Once he gets it lined out, then he kind of knows what's what in terms of importance. Yeah. If if it's in that box, it's an easy one. It's, 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 it jumps. It's, it's got a a red tag. All right, I've got a scenario. So it plays out like this. Sam comes home from school, and he's got a, are they pink slips still? Are they yellow? What, it's something. a blue card. All right, a blue card. <laughs> it's a different color every year. They all come home, though, with Sam. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so he comes home with that, and y'all are both home. Ideally, maybe not every time, etc. but ideally, because we've talked about you, Joey, your eight reaction, and we've talked about yours, Billy, your nine reaction, but y'all are there together. How does that play out in a perfect scenario? And, ha- and 
how does it play out? Maybe in a not so perfect scenario. Yeah, maybe if we just talk about exactly what we feel and think in the in the yeah with that scenario, and then how the action follows. Okay, you go. So I would I have questions, right? So exactly what is it that he did he do? Who did it affect? I want to give him as much time as it takes for him to fully articulate to me in his words what happened um, for a lot of reasons. One, I want to hear what he has to say. And two, I want to figure out if he's lying and if so, how badly is he lying? Um, then, then I want to have a conversation about it. I want to, again, go as deep as, it, as we need to, depending upon how the severity of the incident. Some things matter more than others, obviously. But that's, that's where I, as a nine parent, want to start. It's such an interesting question that gets right to the heart of the fact that um, knowing my children are different numbers, I react differently. So uh, Sam is a seven, and we've already nine years of um, teachers who send home slips all year. And then we go to the teacher conference and they say they adore Sam. And we're, you know, an eight parent who didn't know the Enneagram would demand to know where the disconnect is. I know I have a seven child who is impulsive, but has no mean intentions ever. And he's charming. And so what happens for me when that, because Will didn't come home with all those slips. It didn't happen with Will. He just didn't get in trouble that often. Sam, it's always something little and always something that you know he was impulsive about. So I I think, as I said, we parent them differently and we react differently. Um, What... What Billy actually does a good job of in our house is maintaining consistency. Because I go with the pull of emotion, love, passion, um, and I'm in the same stance with Sam. So for me, Sam and I relate easier. For Will... Will and I actually, we come together and where Billy kind of ha- steps back is when the, is when the emotions really start to, to come up. Interestingly enough, I mean, that's where Will and I, because of the passion we meet right there, and that's where he and I kind of connect. Perfect scenario, and I think, I don't know how, what perfect parenting looks like, um, but but Billy maintains the consistency of, okay, what, as the elementary education background with the, that he has, what was the cause, you know, what was the behavior, and regardless, how are we going to move forward from this? Yeah, and to, to tag on to that too, it's what were the already established consequences for whatever the actions were, and then let's go, right? Because on the front end... I'd, I'd never want to negate their their thoughts or their feelings as to how they contributed to whatever trouble they got into. So I want to have that conversation up front because I want to make sure they feel 
heard and valued. And then if there's, if we need to go up to school and we need to contest it, whatever. But then if it's, if it's a typical, I got in trouble at school scenario, you as the child have now been heard. This is the consequence. Let's move on. Done. We're it's, it's free of emotion and there's, there's, there's little reaction to it and you can go and process however you need to in your room. I'm going to watch the Ranger game or cook dinner, whatever. And for me, it's, there's a lot of, if it's something that has happened a lot, regardless of the child, if it's something that I, in my parenting motherly opinion, feel like should have been avoided, you're going to get a strong reaction from me, but then it's over. So my boys know, like Billy is definitely more even keel as a parent. My boys know I'm going to react much stronger and there will be raised voices and I will be very intense. And then when we're finished with that interaction, I, I don't carry that at all. I guess we could sit here all day and keep talking about what we've learned and what we have to learn and how it works and encouraging other people to learn the Enneagram. We are going to talk about it for several days at boot camp, and I hope folks will come to that. The final thing I want to say in closing our time together is you both know that a lot of people have asked me to do Enneagram and Parenting for a long time, and that's just not mine to do. I have never been more excited than I am right this minute that I was right. It is yours to do, and the two of you are going to do a great job with that, and everybody who's in our world We'll get to benefit from that more and more as time passes by. And you're going to introduce Enneagram Parenting at boot camp this year. And then there will be further opportunities. So I love you both, of course. And I have a ton of respect for you. Thanks for today. Thank you. Thank you. The Enneagram Journey podcast is produced by Life in the Trinity Ministry. Music is provided by Solve Lighthouse. Professional photography is courtesy of Courtney Perry. We invite you to visit theenneagramjourney.org for more information, and we welcome your questions and comments. Thank you for being with us today.